Welcome to this episode of Turdy for Turdy. Uh, make sure to let us know how we're doing. Please, 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 pretty, pretty, please. Uh, you can either email us at tftpod2018 at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Turdy for Turdy. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get this pig roasted. That took like 20 seconds too long. All right, welcome back to another episode of Turdy for Turdy. I'm Andrew, that's Maher. And tonight we're going to be talking about Redskins legend Daryl Green. Are you freaking kidding me? (laughs) I thought you said, we're not talking about the Redskins anymore, you son of a gun. So, No, I'm just kidding, we're not talking about the Redskins. Oh man, I've been planning to do that all week. Um, all right, so this is uh, the same show we've always been. I've found a little little interesting news sports story um, from history to read to my friend Maher. He doesn't know what I'm going to read about, and he's going to try to crack jokes in there. Sometimes they're puns, sometimes they're just awful jokes. You never know what you're going to get with him, but he's going to try his hardest to make us laugh. It's mostly awful jokes or awful puns. Either way, it's awful. Okay, so um, the Super Bowl was this weekend, as you might have known. Some people south, in like the southeast part of the country next to Texas, but before Alabama, like a little section in there, didn't didn't watch it. But mostly everybody else did, and it was... Uh, I, I, I personally chose not to partake in such ludicrous displays of tampering. You can compare them to uh, LeBron's use of tampering in his uh, Lakers general management career. And that's that's fair. So Maher's a Saints fan. He's one of those Saints fans that boycotted the Super Bowl. Are you going to boycott next year if the Saints aren't in it? Well, it depends if they um, don't get in because a ref, like four refs from Southern California, happen to see a play, you know, against the Los Angeles Shams. And uh, they decide not to uh, throw a flag or react in any way. I mean, at the very least, they could have threw a flag and then called it back. I mean, what the hell, man? It was the most heinous thing I've ever seen and the most obvious fixing of a game to benefit what they perceived as a larger market. And then they lucked out and had a shitty Super Bowl. So Roger Goodell's a clown and he can go. I just wanted to give you a platform to... Give off a little rant there, because I knew you you would have wanted to. I mean, I know you think you think I'm being ridiculous and whatnot, but I don't know. That's that one is. There's been some ones where I'm like, ah, that's suspicious. But this is the one where I've been like, there's no doubt in my mind that something fishy was. You sound a lot like me in about week four of the season when Drew Brees broke that record against the Redskins on Monday night, and twice there were no corners on a wide receiver that was running 50 yards down the field. You know, that play or, like, him making that didn't even make it, like, on a season highlight that uh, I think ESPN did, which is stupid. They don't want to show it again because if they show it again, people are going to be like, hey, the sport's fixed. Why was Josh Norman sitting over on the sideline drinking a Coke while he was out there catching the ball in front of his face? He was gonna, he was gonna get it. Agreed. But that, that play's still a little fishy. Anyway. I mean, so it can't be that the Redskins just blew a play. No. Okay. Just like the Saints didn't, I mean, just like, like the Saints a, didn't have plenty Redskins, of chances right? to close out that game before that play. True. They also had a, a chance to close out the game when Robbie Coleman committed a blatant foul in trying to save the game, and knew he did it, and admitted he did it, and laughed about it. So. Well, here's anyway. Here's the real deal. We're not even talking about football today. I didn't actually mean to get on this rant, but it happened. We're actually. We're going to talk up, about a, your favorite sport, personally, and it's one of the most popular in America. It's one of the most popular sports in America. We're talking about a little sport called a baseball, because pitchers and catchers are about to report. Ugh, I hate baseball. Well, you're going to like this story. 
The reason they call it America's pastime is because everybody passes out during that slow-ass, boring game. So, tonight... They shouldn't let them all do steroids again and make it entertaining. You know, there's one place where you know there's steroids. one place where baseball games are taking place that people won't pass out watching the game because they don't want to get uh, jacked or stabbed, and that's San Quentin. Let's talk about the baseball history of the San Quentin prison. Ooh, we haven't like um, damn it, what's that Burt Reynolds? Movie yeah, like the longest yard got remade. <laughs> yes. All right, so inmates at St. Quentin have been playing baseball since the 1920s. And this actually, just a, a warning on this one, this is a, I, I knew none of this, and so I think you're going to be really kind of surprised by some of this. It's very interesting. I mean, I'd always heard that there was, like, sports played at San Quentin. I knew that was, well, we'll just get into it. Anyway. Um, well, let me guess. Can I make five predictions and see if sure. they happen? Someone gets hit with a bat. Someone breaks a bat and then tries to stab someone with them. People purposely hit people with pitches. And um, actually, that's three, but we'll go with that. Oh, and maybe like massive fights. So we'll go with four. Good, good odd number right there. All right, let's see what happens. So um, the San Quentin Baseball League has been brought up in some, some movies. Maybe not as San Quentin specifically, but you'll probably remember that part in Major League where they're talking about Wild Thing, and they're like, yeah, he's just coming off a great season in the California Penal League. Remember that part? I, I yeah, do remember so. that part. I thought the, I thought the movie you're going to reference was Bad News Bears. Did they have a prison baseball thing in there? The joke is it was a ah. league. you never seen Bad well, News yeah, Bears? Yeah, I've seen Bad News Bears. I just didn't remember like a prison reference. I thought maybe I missed something. Ah, one kid was supposedly in and out of juvie. Fair. Uh, actually, one of the things that I, I started linking this up because I remembered that line, the California Penal League, and I was like, is there really a California prison like baseball league? And I fell down a dark hat. Turns out there's not, but there is uh, this, there's this at San Quentin. So even though they've been playing baseball it's since the 20s there, our story today really starts out in about 1994. So the top song of 1994 was The Sign. By Ace of Base. God dang it. Ace of Base. <laughs> Ace of Base. That was for the whole year? That wasn't like just a, that was popular. Yeah. One yeah. Week in it was longer than like a two day period where people are like, oh, I saw the sign. I mean, yeah, I just, uh, Ace of Base. You don't hear that one come up. Very often. <laughs> no, I actually kind of wanted to do this story just to say that because I was like, oh my god, Ace of Base is the, the, the number one song. So did you just look up 1994, figure out what the popular song was, and then like specifically search weird shit that happened <laughs> oh, no. in sports in 1994? God dang it, that's a classic. All right, and the best picture winner of that year is one of my favorite movies, a really uplifting film, Schindler's List. Ooh. Does it have there's a happy nothing ending? like when i want to have a good laugh i just pop on schindler's list and it just makes all my worries go away um that reminds me of uh do you ever saw that i forget what it, if it was on that short people or whatever the one that warwick davis did uh did you see that one? Oh yeah 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 uh, with Liam Neeson, and he was, like, trying to do improv, and he kept, like, his character kept having yeah, AIDS. Kept he's like, I've got AIDS. very serious AIDS. I've got the full-blown AIDS. And Ricky Gervais <laughs> is just staring at him like, oh, yeah, that's not funny at all. I That was probably one of my I, – I remember that moment all the time. That's, like, one of my favorite TV oh, moments great. just because how ridiculous. Liam Neeson, a little problematic this week, but that was a great part. Oh, I thought you were going to have some comment towards Liam Neeson's. No, I love me some <laughs> Liam Neeson's. Everybody loves ne ne Liam Neeson's. You know, those Tooken movies are some good <laughs> And that new Taken, the new version of Taken that's coming out soon. What's that one called? Kept uh, or something? Well, there's Keeping? There's Huh? There's a show taken, which I wouldn't think that'd be a movie franchise I would make into No, a, he's got that new movie coming <laughs> a, a out that looks show. like Taken, except he's inexperienced at fighting people now. Oh yeah, and he's like, I'm just some regular guy. I work like, for the post office. With, like Yeah. 
Well, I mean, post office people. I mean, there's a reason let's not get postal as a is a thing. So anyway, the reason that 1994 is important to this story is because that's when baseball actually returned to San Quentin. And to understand what happened to baseball the first time around, we have to go back before we can go forward. So back to the future. Back to the future. So Kent Philpot volunteered at the prison in 1969. He taught Bible scripture in the Protestant chapel to inmates until 1972. Uh, he wanted to stay longer, but some stuff happened before that and, uh, with the case of George Jackson. So in 1970, a man named George Jackson was an inmate at um, the Soledad prison, and he was accused of murdering a corrections officer. After you murder a corrections officer, you usually get moved to a different prison. I don't know, just something that happens. And uh, they actually moved George Jackson over to San Quentin. In 1971, a year after he murdered the corrections officer, Jackson met with a lawyer about a, a civil lawsuit against the California Department of Corrections. So even though he killed the corrections officer, he was suing the Department of Corrections on a civil suit. Is it for putting an officer there for him to kill? <laughs> exactly. I think he was um, saying that they had abused and mistreated him, and there, it was something racial uh, from the way that I understood it. Um, and he's basically, Whoa. he was you, trying to say still... that he had to kill the guy to save himself, like it was self-defense. I mean, I could see them abusing, but I mean, it's not like they could just completely sweep someone under the rug, so they wouldn't kill you, they might just be a dick. Also, if you're in prison... I mean, depending on, you know, if he was there for murder, then, you know, maybe he deserved to be, you know, messed with a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying racism became whoa, anything, whoa, but whoa. I'm just saying people pick on prisoners all the time, and I would be just, I would be okay if they picked on At any way, at any too. rate, your stuff's usually not going to go for you, very well for you, if you kill a corrections officer. I mean, I kind of, uh, I feel like that, uh, that... On yeah, yeah, it's not good for any case that you have, whether it be your past case or the one coming up. It probably didn't make you that great of a, give you a good reception at the next prison you go to either. So, uh, true. So after the meeting, Jackson was being escorted back to his cell when the corrections officer noticed something shiny and metallic in his hair. Upon close inspection, he noticed that Jackson was wearing a wig and he asked him to remove it. Once Jacks, how do you get a how do you get oh, a wig in there? last one. We'll talk about the whole thing. When Jackson pulled off his wig, it turned out that he had a nine millimeter uh, handgun underneath it, and he said, "Gentlemen, the dragon has come," which was a reference to Ho Chi Minh. Um, so now let's now wow. let's, we can break that down. So basically, this dude. Was probably wearing like an afro wig, and underneath that wig, he was hiding a handgun in his head. Well, now who's the racist? Uh-oh. But, you know, but seriously, how do you... We're to put um... this one in our lost files. This has gotten problematic for both sides. <laughs> but how do, how do you... How do you walk around like I that? I don't know. I read it be, on two different pages, and it still makes no sense to me. Like, how did no you, one notice this man stand. had a goofy wig on with a gun underneath it? Well, A, he probably either, like, I wonder if this guy probably went from, like, you know, short hair, like, shaved head to <laughs> full-on afro, and people were like, oh, I don't notice anything weird. Also, you can't just walk normal if you got a gun. Corrections officer's walking up like, to him like, hey, did you change your hair? He's like, yeah, that ace of base. Now, that's a great band. Uh, they're like, yeah, it's all the same. You'd have to stand, like, with your back perfectly straight, like, making slow movements. And not <laughs> How did the like, gun that just fall <laughs> on the table? Like, I mean, I can see him talking. It just fall out of his head onto the table, and the lawyer's like, uh, that's not good. I mean, it must have been a really high-quality wig. So, he told the officer to open all of his all the cells, and some other inmates helped overpower the remaining guards that were in that block. The group took the officers and two inmates as hostages. Five other hostages, three guards, and two white inmates were killed and found in Jackson's cell. Why does it matter what color they were? Well, because all this is racial-based. 
Three other guards were also wounded. After he found the keys, Jackson and fellow inmate Johnny Spain went out to the yard to escape. Jackson was shot and killed by a guard in the tower, and Spain surrendered instantly. And that w I wonder. If, I wonder if Spain was just a Mexican guy and they called Johnny him Spain. Johnny Spain. Um, also, how, what did he think he was going to do? Did he not forget about like the whole people, the snipers on the towers kind of deal? Yeah, it, it was it was like one of those things where he planned it out a quarter of the way. He was like, all right, I know how to get us at least to this point, but then after that, we're just going to wing it and see what happens, and it didn't go very well. He probably like used up all of his effort trying to get the gun into prison in the first place, which seems really hard. Because it's a gun. I don't think that would fit up any of the... Any of our natural storage areas. Yeah, uh, uh, there, was, there was somebody that was arrested for smuggling the gun in, but the charges were dropped. So to this day, they're not really 100% sure exactly how the gun got in. I mean, it got in through the front door. <laughs> um, so anyway, why am I telling you this story? Well, the reason I'm telling you this is because that was the reason Philpot, uh, Kent Philpot left after only being at the prison for three years. So that was why he left the first time. Turns out, a shooting and uh, a bunch of white people getting executed when you're also white, turns out it kind of scares you in, from staying in a prison. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So anyway, 13 years later, in 1985, Philpott returned to San Quentin to work with Chaplain Earl Smith. Due to violence and changes in leadership, the, bro the baseball program had become extinct. And... Just like the dinosaurs. Yeah, it probably went extinct about the time a man walked a gun into the prison, kidnapped a bunch of people, and stuffed him in his cell and shot him. But I don't know. I mean, who really knows in that type of situation, really? You know, maybe just some. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe somebody just got a little too hangry on meatloaf knife. They're like, I hate meatloaf. And you know, I hate meatloaf, but I really whoa. hate baseball. <laughs> You took the words right out of my mouth. So, uh, in 1994, Smith saw that inmate James Jimbo Gardino had a catcher's mitt and was sitting at his work desk. So this guy was assigned to work in the church and kind of help the chaplain, um, you know, like, we put the books up, keep it clean, files, Is... that kind of stuff. So he's kind of like their secretary in the chaplain. In the chapel. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't James Jimbo, like, kind of... Redundant. Well, no, they didn't call him James Jimbo. They called him Jimbo. I'm just saying his name was James Gar. I should have said oh. uh, the inmate's name was James Gardino. They called him Jimbo. Okay. I mean, like, is that on his birth certificate? Like, what is Jimbo Fisher's name? Probably name? James. James. Everybody I've like, never known that went by Jimbo is James. I would like to see someone's birth certificate. It's like our legal name is like Jimbo, and then they have like some fancy name. I knew name. a guy named Jimbo once. Have you ever known a Jimbo? Uh, no, I have not. Fun people. Uh, anyway, so he asked Jimbo if he knew how to use the catcher's mitt. Uh, simple back and forth about baseball would end up being the beginning of a new era of baseball at San Quentin. I feel like that's a loaded question in prison, you know? Be like, are you a pitcher or a catcher? I don't know if I'd want to answer that. You to use that thing? I can catch. Mm, come over here, boy. No. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a fastball right over home home base. So this was this was the third time that the San Quentin Pirates were uh, formed. Oh, they're the Pirates too. I'm not gonna it's make too a easy. Joke. Uh, Smith recruited Phil Pot and a man named Dan Jones to help in the project. The program grew for two years before Smith had to step down due to medical concerns. Philpott and Jones were dedicated to continue and, and continue to build where Smith left off. The duo worked together on the project for four years before Jones had his own medical issue to attend to. Phil, uh, Philpott began to work on the program alone, but gives huge credit and thanks to inmate players that took this team seriously. So after all these uh, outside people left and he was by himself, he really turned to, like, captains of the, the actual baseball team, the guys that really took it seriously to get the program up and up and running. You know, I, I say I hate baseball, but if I was in prison and they were like, you want to go play baseball, I'd be like, He'd yeah, say, I mean, I'm going to be outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in 1999, the Pirates became the Giants. Philpott managed the team for three more years. Uh, until Smith asked for control of the program he uh, he had originally founded. 
So Earl shows back up. Uh, and, and the thing with the Giants is it's kind of... Uh, the, the important part about that I didn't mention is it's actually sponsored by the San Francisco Giants. So the San Francisco Giants just... uh, donated equipment and uniforms and um, everything that they need to get the baseball program up and running at San Quentin. I was going to ask if that was... That was the reason why they changed, they changed, yeah. So anyway, once Earl Smith came back, Philpott uh, left to reform the Pirates. And the second team at San Quentin, because you had the Giants and the Pirates, it didn't actually last very long, and they were forced out after a year due to there wasn't enough interest to keep two teams going. Who were they playing? Though? So I'm, I'm going to get to that later, but they play, They actually play people from outside the prison, like adult um, baseball leagues. It can be, you know, like minor leagues. Um, it can be like, you know, adult recreational teams, but they, they find teams to play on the outside. They come to the prison and play them. Hey, uh, hey, beer league guys, uh, we're going to go play uh, San Quentin, folks. I'm like, um, no thanks. Yes, yeah, uh, we'll talk about that in a, little, in a little while. I'll give you a breakdown of, like, what it's like to go play baseball at San Quentin on, if you're on the team coming in, but it's an interesting process. Hey, they're lucky, though. Every game's a home game. Talk about a home field advantage, right? Uh, So Tom Aliotto became uh, the new manager of the Giants once uh, Earl Smith left again because he only stayed about another year. And at that point, Kip Philpott had started a softball program that used the old Pirates hand-me-down uniforms. So Philpott, not being able to be with the Giants anymore because Smith had taken it back over, decided to make more of a recreational-type team, and that was the Pirates softball team. I mean, I guess that's kind of easy to do when you already have the equipment. You literally just need the softballs. I imagine they probably just, and new like, gloves, cause you need kind of like regular gloves, baseballs and... Gloves. Yeah, they just use regular baseballs and throw them underhand. Like, and I think technically softball use different bats, too. So, you know what? You probably need all new equipment. They actually have a different length, uh, size field. Too. Yeah, you literally... I mean, I guess you could technically play it, but... You know what? Scratch what I said. You literally had to get everything. Uh, so, anyway, Philpott coached that team for two years before turning the team over to a new manager and returning to work with the uh, baseball program. The Giants had become so popular that they decided to start a second team at San Quentin. This team would become the Athletics. Uh, just like... Whoa, whoa, they were the... That's like the real Oakland Athletics? Yeah, this is actually the story of the real Oakland Athletics. (laughs) Now, since the same thing, the A's donated a bunch of time and equipment to to San Quentin uh, to get the A's started off the ground in uniforms. And steroids? No, no steroids yet. Uh, Kent said, I still remember the day my wife Katie and I drove over to the Oakland Coliseum and loaded up my pickup with all kinds of Ace stuff. So, um, like, that's the, the other thing. It's not like they delivered it. He had to go out and pick this stuff up. So it was, it was very time-consuming for the people starting these, these teams here. I think when you're working a prison system, you're kind of used to having to like go out of your way to get stuff since you probably can't afford to buy probably anything. True. I mean, I wonder if they wrote him a letter, you know, every week for years and years until they finally approved and sent him some, you know, used books. I mean, uh, used equipment. And then he still kept writing the letters, you know, <laughs> twice a week. He's like, you know what? I'm really miswriting these letters. So both of the jerseys, uh, both of the uniforms that they got kind of are very similar to the spring training. They're like the bright colored, um, you know, like big logo up on the shoulder. So it's not like they don't look, when they, they come out there, they don't look like the professional teams, but they look like uh, like adult league teams. I was going to say, that'd be really funny if they just gave them like the last year's jerseys or something. And it's like, they're just straight up wearing, like, legit jerseys. Ooh, and it's can like, I have um, Hunter okay. Pence's jersey? Can I have Hunter Pence's old jersey? His, uh, when he was played there yeah, in 94? Yeah, when he played there for the Giants, they did play in 94. Uh, so anyway, the the inmates actually really enjoyed these, uh, the new jerseys and the Giants and Ace thing, because it kind of gave San Quentin, like, a unique local-type, local fan feel. So there's a little local pride that came in when they switched over to the, like, the names of the teams in the area. 
I'm sure they'd be happy just not to be wearing like orange or whatever prison jumper colors were at that time. So uh, Earl Smith would return once again up until 2007, where he would leave to become the chaplain for the 49ers, Warriors, and Giants. So uh, he finally got the big time in pro sports after years of bouncing back and forth from God knows what he was doing to the prison and then back to God knows what he was doing to the prison and back. Cause you notice he keeps popping in and out, but never really has a point. Well, you know, God knows everything, especially that guy's probably talking to him every day. So. <laughs> so, He's probably like, leave me alone I'm leaving already. the prison. I'm going from the prison. I'm leaving. Like, decide where you want me. Well, maybe he he working at a prison was just showing you know that we're all in a prison. Prison of our minds. So uh, Philpot was excited for his friend, but the move led to the 2007 season of San Quentin baseball to be a disaster. It was constant conflict between the personnel of the two teams. Miserable, really, and it became apparent that a major change was needed. The first important step had been too severe to sever the baseball program from the chapel. So that was uh, that was Kent Philpot saying that one of the biggest issues was that the chapel and the baseball were a little little too intertwined. Um, some people didn't want to play baseball because they felt like it was like a religious club, um, since it was mainly chaplains that were running it. It just gave it overall to him. It was scaring people away because it just seemed kind of like it was like a religious club. Well, isn't that like an actual law? You know, the separation of church and baseball. <laughs> yes, I think so. That's why you're not allowed to to pledge allegiance in the schools that I have baseball I pledge allegiance teams. to Jose Altuve. Uh, so Philpot was because of his ideas, he was elected to lead again. And one of the first things he decided was to pull the players together and go back to create one team, a team that had um, a lot of talent because it was the best players from all the other teams. If you didn't make it onto this main San Quentin team, which would have been the Giants, then you could have played in a recreational league that they they were going to have. That was the plan. So uh, Tom Eliotto comes back. He was the one that became the manager for a little while when they kept switching back and forth, and he helped assemble a skilled and competitive team. I presented a Giants team of six outfielders, eight infielders, three catchers, and eight pitchers, he said. Any other inmates who wanted to play could be directed to the softball program or the intramural baseball program would be created. Uh, and like you asked earlier, who did they play? Well, uh, one of the other things they did is they brought in a man named Elliot Smith. Now, Earl Smith was the chaplain. Elliot Smith had a different role. Elliot Smith was actually um, a local from the San Francisco area. He was a business owner, and he would be the one that would go out and actually find teams for San Quentin baseball to play, the San Quentin Giants to play. So he actually became like their guy that booked, booked games at the prison. Wow. I, so was there ever like a time when he, act, you know, he suggested they switch over to cotton uniforms because they breathe better, but then, you know, they accidentally threw a red sock in there and it just ruined the whole They only have uniforms. one uniform per person, so you can't ruin them. You know what? It's better if they just never washed them. I mean, you know, cotton is a pretty sturdy fabric. Cotton, the fabric of our lives. So adult teams from outside uh, the walls would come in, direct teams like Mission Baseball Club. Uh, they were a group filled with weekend warriors, uh, basically the beer league guys. Why were they, why were they like weekend? The, they're were like they the beer league strength? guys that you're talking about, the ones that play on the weekends. They're kind of just doing it to have fun. They would come and play San Quentin. You, you didn't hear my terrible jokes. So why weren't they full at full strength? Because they, they were... Get it? Because weekend. Oh, uh, weekend. I get it. Ooh. Yeah, I, I forgive you because you couldn't yeah, hear the A. I was like, I don't get what's going on. Uh, and so these guys would come in and play several games a year against the Jets. Now here's the fun part. Let's talk about what playing in a baseball, uh, playing a baseball game in San Quentin is actually like for the outside people. I um. So I told you about my experience. I'm not trying to like. I have a, I think I have a pretty decent imagination of it because, um, like Angola, I, I, told yeah. you I went to the Angola uh, mm -hmm. rodeo, and there wasn't as much a curious as I thought, but there was, 
you know, there was a lot. They 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 did get a little handsier than they do other places, and you literally couldn't bring anything in that wasn't like your wallet and phone. I mean, it makes sense. So I have a general idea. It was funny though, is like they wouldn't let you bring cigarettes in, so there was just a table like next to the entrance of just piled of like cigarettes and like lighters. Do they like sell? <laughs> How does that work? You can't smoke in there at all. I'm surprised. No, you can't. That's wild. Um, it's Louisiana. You think you could just smoke anywhere yeah. you want? Well, what's funny is my my friend's uh, fiance had a like a, one of those little portable battery chargers with her. And they wouldn't let her bring it in, so she had to leave it. And then, of course, when she went out to get it, it wasn't there. Of course. But yeah. So, uh, background checks are done weeks in advance. And the prison could turn away anyone at their discretion. So, even if you make it through the initial check, if you go, get to the prison and they see something they don't like about you, they can just kick you out. They have the right to do that whenever they want. Uh, if the player made it through the initial checks, they were reminded that prison policy states it would not negotiate for a visitor's safety in a hostage situation. <laughs> yeah. Waivers. So it's like, look. This guy's holding me. <laughs> this guy's holding me hostage with a baseball bat. If they bat. get you and they want you as a hostage, we aren't doing shit. Uh, and then finally, players that pass through more heavy doors and checkpoints where they were keeping an eye on you, kind of seeing how you would act. Eventually, you would make it to San Quentin's field, and it was called Field of Dreams. I uh, I retract my previous statement because that sounds pretty legit. Like I think the area we were at was like a separate area where um, you couldn't actually access any of the the prison. Yeah, so the field was actually it was literally called the Field of Dreams. It's right smack in the middle of the prison. It's probably yeah, like it's in, in the yard. yard. Um, like... the, the inmates, If I mean, if you're going to have spectators, those mostly consist of inmates. Uh, I've read a couple articles where they said that other people get in, but it's a lot of background checks and a lot of hard work to get spectators in. And the only time they've ever really so, done it was for like a tribute game for uh, one of the guys that helped start the program. So um, how do you – like who do they decide who, what prisoners get to watch? Is that good behavior? I think so. Junk? I believe so. Basically, don't hide yeah. a gun in your afro and like murder yeah, a bunch of people. Yeah, don't murder five people and hold a gun in your in your head. And so all this information I'm getting is based on a first-person account I read. But he's the guy said there was about 150 inmates watching their game. And so the whole environment is uh, very unique to San Quentin because um, most pres almost all prisons do not allow baseball equipment in the facility for the obvious reasons that we talked about at the opening of the show. Yeah, I think it's of, of all the sports that are out there, um, swingy, swingy sports seem like. I imagine cricket's kind of strictly out there because everything in cricket's pretty deadly. Yeah, so this is like people see the movies like The Longest Yard and stuff and think that it's normal for like prisoners to have sports teams and stuff. It's not. This is really weird. Like, this is a very unique thing. So, um, the inmates were always friendly with the people that they played. Um, they, they weren't ever like threatening. They weren't there to beat you up. All they really wanted to do was talk about, um, you know, life on the outside of prison or they wanted you to ask them how like it was going there and they just wanted to chat. And what about, did they talk about taxes or like, you know, file any, any other teams that come in taxes or anything like that? No, no, I don't think so. Um, so the situation may also have impacted the style of play on the field because Ted Berg, who wrote about his experience, said uh, that it felt like a baseball game, but players remembered where they were, so you tried to avoid arguments. And uh, in one of my favorite parts of the article, he actually said he was trying to beat out a uh, throw to second base, and uh, he wanted to try to stop a double play, so he was going to slide with his spikes up, and then he realized where he was at and just ran into second and was called out. He got too scared to slide. I mean, what's wrong with sliding? It's not a dick move to slide. I mean, that's how you slide. Yeah, but he didn't want to slide with his spikes up and hit the guy from San Quentin like with his with his spikes. I mean, what's he like doing a like he's got his feet 
five feet in the air, like he's gonna hit him yeah, in the ankle. You never watched uh you've never watched uh like where somebody tries to slide into second and take the well, second I mean, baseman get, or the shortstop out. Well they'll take him out and they get pissed off about it, but Yeah, that's what he's saying. He was gonna do that and then he realized he was at San Quentin, so he decided just to not do that. I imagine in like these rec games, most people don't usually slide or slide cleat first really at all, but it depends on what level of teams they're playing. So, um yeah, I don't know. I I understand what the guy is saying. Like, I think if I was the pitcher for the, like, rec team that came in there to play them, I would not feel very comfortable accidentally hitting somebody with the ball. I, I understand what he's saying. Like, it's kind of... <laughs> like, it's, pointing at the, the catcher. Whole, the whole thing's kind of shaky. Pointing at the catcher, if there's somebody you want to just, like, you know, um, whatever... I don't. I don't think "ball out" the the proper word, but uh, intentionally just, walk. Yeah, that's the word. Ball out. Yeah, ball make the pitcher out. spin, stand like, or the catcher like go like ten feet, like way too far to the left, and just toss yeah. in the ball. <laughs> just run into the dugout and start throwing in the ball in the dugout. Yeah, we don't want to hit you, hey, uh, officer. Can I borrow your riot shield real quick? So anyway, there's some unspoken, uncomfortable moments that happen in these games, but for the most part, everybody has a good time and is really friendly. You know what probably sucks about that, and I'll side with the prisoners for a minute, is I'm sure the guys are letting playing baseball weren't the guys who like hack their family, you know, with a with a you know a, a sawzall or you know bludgeon their parents in their sleep with a hammer. Those guys were probably like the lower level criminal uh, offenders. Not all of them. I thought that too, and so I liked it up and. There are some violent, violent prisoners that uh, do play baseball, but they have to, you know, they have to show that they're not really going to be violent. You know, it's like you got to be have good behavior to get into the actual team. That's uh, that one's interesting. I would have thought they would have put certain uh, qualifications on a throwy, hitty sport, but I'm sure that they do. But that doesn't change the fact that some people that play on the team still have violent. Um, crimes in their past. I'm not saying it's not like he murdered his family last week and then was given a baseball bat and said good luck. This is like years years ago and then had to sit in prison and going slowly crazy and then they're like, here's a bat, bucko. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, get out there and hit yourself a dinger. When I went to prison, we didn't have them their automobiles everywhere. Now they're all over the street. So uh, back to your pet pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) I got a pet rock. His name's Bob. <laughs> Only person that I've talked to me is Bob. Uh, so back to our hero of the story, Kent Philpot. Uh, shortly after he took over for maybe the third or fourth time, I honestly lost count at this point. He was gone again. I feel like everybody just kind of swapped out, like you know, like underwear. They're just like, I'm gonna change. Uh, imagine you out. trying to keep all this together. It was confusing because everybody's names keep changing. Also, do they like just? rehire like they have a list of four people they just keep like swapping through yeah like basically i mean i wonder if their people are just on assignment from whatever church they're from but they're like hey you can go here and then we'll send this guy the next year and then you can go the next year you know just so you don't all of a sudden don't believe in god because you see all this crazy crap in prison so uh the reason why he was he got he actually got removed from the prison that time um, so he was not, this would be the last, this is going to be the last time you hear about Philpot for a Aww. minute, but he got removed from the prison because when he tried to combine the teams back into one, it caused a lot of stress and he actually started getting threats from prisoners and I couldn't ever find a whole lot of details about it because it seems like he maybe didn't want it on paper exactly what happened, but just know that whenever he tried to tried to make one team again. I guess whoever didn't get on the team got pretty pissed and that kind of screwed it all up. Um, if I can imagine anything, it probably wouldn't him that didn't want it on paper. It's probably other people. True. Like so after Philpot was gone again, uh, Elliot Smith actually took over the whole program. He's the one that we talked about earlier. That was kind of the booking guy. As soon as he took over, he went back to two teams, the giants and the A's. They need some consistency, man. Like, come on. It's prison. What kind of consistency you want? They're doing the best Their they can. Their whole life is consistency. You do the same thing every day. <laughs> but then you add in baseball. That's the whole punishment of it. You know, it's just you got to do the same thing over and over again in the same exact place. And but uh, now with slowly, baseball, uh, yeah. Well, now, yeah, baseball. Well, I wonder if baseball like adds to their yard time, or if that's like you get an hour outside a day, go play baseball. 
<laughs> Woohoo! Best fall! <laughs> uh, so, Elliot Smith, uh, he'd been with the program since 95. Uh, like I said earlier, he was an outside sponsor, mainly focused on finding outside talent to play in San Quentin. Uh, he retired in 2018 with a game between the San Quentin A's and a minor league team called the San Francisco Mission. Now, what was so special about this game other than his retirement? other than his retirement, is because originally they decided they were going to shut down the program in 2016. And they actually had this big all-star game um, that they invited all the people that had uh, influenced the program in the past. So Phil Pot was there, Earl Smith was there, Elliot Smith was there. Uh, they were planning on cutting the program at that point just because they didn't feel like the interest level was there anymore. But uh, Elliot Smith was able to get the A's up and running. The, Gi the Giants kind of went on a hiatus, but he got the A's back up and running, and so he literally had kept the program alive for another two years up until when he retired in 2018. I still don't understand how those programs could have issues with people wanting to play. Like, I just feel like it would be something better than going yeah, and standing in, in the yard, prison and, not, like and, trying to play fundamental basketball with the Nazis. Hell yeah, if, there's, if I'm in prison and there's nothing to do and somebody's like, you want to play baseball? Hell yeah, I suck at it, but damn it, I'll learn. I'd rather stand in the outfield, like freaking, you know, uh, whatever it is, left field, not doing anything, playing prison baseball, than like, just literally, like, do nothing. Or go stand uh, around in the yard. I ain't working out, that's for, that's for losers. Yeah, uh, baseball is way more fun. No, and also I feel like I feel like the baseball is kind of for the the prisoners that have been on best behavior and aren't in trouble a lot. So I fear that's also a good group of guys to like be hanging around with, like a safer group. Anything that seems like it's kind of special in prison, I would probably want to be a part of it. Um, except for like maybe you know certain love triangles, but I mean like you know like if it's a special program. I think I would rather be a part of that than just hanging out with the gin pop. Like, you know, if it shows that you have to have some level of, um, like the like the Angola prison murder, they don't just let everybody do that. You have to like be. You gotta earn yeah, it. Yeah, you gotta earn it. I mean, they even had those people working concession stands and stuff, and uh, the people who weren't on that good list that had art and projects and stuff to sell, they were like in behind chain link fence, and they had to hand you slips of paper through the, um through the fence so you could go and pay that's crazy it was it was a uh, it was good times i kind of want to go to that um yeah i would i wouldn't mind going back we might need to plan a road trip uh so anthony t-tone that's his nickname denard who was a former minor league player like an actual minor league player that ended up in prison that's not as... even fair that's cheating yeah, he was on the A's. Uh, he said, I want to thank Elliot for putting his blood, sweat, and tears into this program. He gave me a chance to play a game that I love. I was one who took the game uh, I was one who took the game for me on the streets, but through Elliot I relived my dream again. See, there's and a, so there's another point, I'm sorry for cutting you off. Like, baseball is such an easy sport to play if you don't have money, so I would think it'd be more popular in the prison setting. Because, I mean, I'm not making any general assumptions, but police do. Yeah, well, plus everybody has played baseball for the most part. I mean... Like, even at a t-ball level, you essentially know the sport. It's a very American sport, so everybody knows it. So you'd think it'd be something that everybody would be willing to at hey, least try to play. I haven't played on a team that won a championship. I forgot completely about it, but I found some old trophies when I was home. Uh, and, and Anthony's messaging there is pretty much uh, echoed from everybody else that played. I didn't put in a bunch of quotes, but mainly they all said the same thing. Like the baseball being on the baseball field is the one time that they forget that they're in prison. They don't feel like they're in prison. They've met, you know, some really good guys uh, playing baseball. It's a connection to the outside world. So that's, um, I mean, that's pretty much the messaging that the players have when talking about the, the baseball program at San Quentin. Oh, and also, another thing that I've, I've found that I thought was really cool is prisons tend to be very segregated. Uh, segregated. Most of the time, you like have to hang in your own race, so that's who, you, you know, you can't really, like, 
communicate too much with people outside of your race or it'll start making people nervous. But a lot of the prisoners started saying, um, the inmates said that baseball was so nice because it was the one place in prison that wasn't as segregated. And it, you know, all the old teamwork cliches still apply even for the prison team. So that's all the benefits that it had for the inmates. I've always, there's an off topic thing, but I always wondered, like, if I ever went to prison, which I wouldn't do well in prison, but. If I ever did happen to go to prison, like, like how would I survive? Because I've always been that guy that just kind of blends in with everybody. But, like, I don't think prison allows that. And I don't think I'd be able to find a group of people that I actually agree with. But, like, obviously because of the color of my skin, I would have to gravitate to a certain uh, more uh, alt-righty side. <laughs> No, you're 100% right. Like, if you watch that show, there's, like, that show 60 Days In where people go into prison. That's one of the things that some of the white guys that go to prison always have a problem with in there is because they go in and they meet all these psychopaths, but they have to align themselves with the crazies because they want to stay safe and not get murdered. So it's like, yeah, sure, I feel the same way. No, I don't. And then when you get out, you have the freaking, like, uh, penny swastika tattoo on you forever that you got to go get removed. Why'd you get this tattoo? Survival. So anyway, I think those are all the positives about the the prison, I mean, the the baseball program. And I I think it's important that people recognize that even though these guys are prisoners, stuff like this helps them actually get back to where they can go out into society and live a good life and not have this stuff happen again. Because... You want to, I think, I think the teamwork setting and the less segregation, that's going to help you kind of see the world differently. But that's kind of it from the player's perspective. I mean, so, um, no, go ahead. Um, it's just, I don't know, prisons are weird, especially with the whole privacy, privatization of prisons. It's just, it's, it's very weird. I like, I mean, I'm not a, I don't think I'm, you know, that weird-minded on stuff, but it's just, you know, the amount of people in prison for stuff that, you know, is legal in other states is kind of weird, and oh, I yeah, feel like they is. just kind of throw people in, like, oh, you had a couple joints, you gotta go to prison for a couple years. It just seems a little odd how they do some of that. Oh, yeah, no, I, I mean, we could get into a two-hour discussion on that, but you're definitely right that there's it always blows my mind that you could have a guy that killed like three people being the same still cell as a guy that got busted with uh, like a pound of pot or something like that yeah like, but you know it's, they, it's crazy which is funny because then they go all out for the the pedophiles and stuff and they probably have they have like their own wing or they put them which i feel like they have to do yeah well, they they have to, get but they destroyed just, you know do we really need pedophiles you know they're never going to get out. Just, eh, let's a make legend. them go away. Well, they were convicted at that point. Good point. Um, I just like saying a legend. <laughs> I would take two men, you know, unless it was a sick ostrich. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is that from? That's a Letter Kenny reference. Okay, yeah. That, I remember when you, you said talking allegedly, about that. I went on the whole... Letter Kenny Rand, because that's Allegedly. what Squirrely Dan says it every time they bring up this, the ostrich. It's gotta be a sick ostrich. <laughs> uh, so last, the last thing I found about all this is uh, one of Elliot Smith's goals when he took over was to create a sense of community, and um, it said that when Smith was retiring, the giant season was put on hold. But like I said earlier, but the A's are still playing, and they do have. Um, this is kind of just in closing, but there still is a fear that the program's going to be shut down because uh, there's just not a there's a lack of baseline interest. Like it really depends on the players to recruit more players to bring in. Um, but yeah, so it's still as of right now, the A's are still going, the Giants are on hold, and they're trying to recruit to build up the program a little more. It's been it's about to hit the hundred year mark already um, in terms of baseball being played at San Quentin. Like I said, very unique for prisons. You don't have a lot of prisons that baseball's played in. So this is a this is a neat tradition that people don't know a lot about, or at least I don't think people know a lot about. I didn't know about that. Um, I think that's interesting. I think it's really interesting that they played 
non-prison teams. But to be honest, somehow that makes more sense than transporting prisoners, prisoners from another yeah. prison. It's good, though. Like, there's a positive to that, because then if you get to meet new people... All, all of this allows the prisoners to meet new people, to be around people from the outside. Like, it allows them to see the world from different points of view. So it's a very, it's a very good program in terms of that. I just wish that people would maybe i don't know give it more um more media attention or so i wish i i wish there was a way to help build it up because i think they're actually doing a really cool thing See, there with the prison baseball the weird thing i don't know the problem i have with with the prison system on a whole is it's not set up to actually reform people it actually makes people who aren't that bad bad like you can go in there for having just a little bit of pot and then come out like having murdered a couple of people just because you had to to survive like it's not set up in a way that may it makes not it makes people who had bad luck turn out bad and people who were bad stay bad but I mean I don't know how you you fix that but it's 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 a weird it's not a perfect I mean nothing's perfect but it's it seems that they could do some stuff. And I think yeah, baseball, this is like a good having, having rehabilitation extra program. Is a good thing. It's just I can see the reluctance to put money into it because a you gotta already feed all these people and take care of them and then upkeep and pay all the guards. On top of that, you know you give people potentially deadly weapons and uh, say have fun. Well, very true. All of these are valid. I mean, there's a reason there's not yeah. prison skeet shooting. I mean, I'm sure that happens, but you know we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, prison a prison skeet shooting league sounds fun. Let's try that. Get the, Santa Quentin, we got an idea. And get the sisters involved. Oh, well, well, we will. I hope you've been catching all the Shawshank references I've just been throwing out here this whole time. Yeah, I don't even know how to respond to the sisters one. Um, That one I regret. <laughs> anyway, that's our episode on the San Quentin baseball uh, teams. Let us know what you think. Like I said, I think it's a really cool rehabilitation program. I can definitely see Maher's point of there being some uh, some concerns, if you will. But for the most part, I think they're doing a good thing. Hey, you know, the good thing about this episode, we're talking about prisons. And, you know, this, this episode is going to come out um, the week that Val- Valentine's Day falls on. So, you know, that's, that's you know, when everybody's in a prison, a prison of love. That's the power of love. Except me, I'll be in a prison of whiskey and sadness. All right, we're going to say goodbye, but before we go, I, I do need to tell you one more thing. Hold on. I just need to hear it right. Ace of Base, baby. Everybody listen to Ace of Base on Valentine's Day if you want to see your girl topless. All right, let's get out of here. I, is that how that works? <laughs> yes. Ace of Base. I'm just going to stand out inside my Where's apartment the and, with the boombox and play some Ace of Base and see <laughs> make it Mardi Gras outside. You have to sing really high-pitched on the course, though. I saw the sun. Open up eyes and saw the sun. Okay, let's go away before I embarrass myself. I'm out of here. We've already embarrassed ourselves. Bye. Oh, uh, wait, no, not Ola. Bye. Bingo. I saw the sun. I saw the sun.